0: I want you to turn to Mark 11, Mark chapter 11, verse 20, and as you're turning there and getting it ready, I'm going to recap a little bit of where we've been. We've been talking about faith. A few weeks ago, I preached a message called Keys of the Kingdom. I want you all to say that. Say, Keys of the Kingdom. Keys of the kingdom. Well, I preached on that, Keys of the Kingdom, and there was two parts to that, and I encourage you to jump on our podcast uh, you can subscribe on Spotify, Apple, Google, uh, numerous different, different avenues where you can subscribe to our podcast, and you can listen back to that message or messages, and, and, and I'm encouraging you to do that because today I'm kind of coming behind that. So uh, in between, though, the last few weeks, that was, I think, four weeks ago, the last few weeks I've talked a little bit more about God's Word. We talked about His Word being light and revelation, and how important it is that we have the word of God hidden in our heart, that we meditate on it, and that that word brings light or revelation, that it illuminates the darkness in our life. Last week I talked about not being moved. Everybody say, I'm not moved. Because we can't be moved by what we see and what's around us. And so today I'm going to kind of tie a lot of this stuff together, and uh, we're going to start in Mark chapter 11. Now in the morning, this is verse 20, now in the morning as they pass by... They saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. To give you a little bit of a backstory, a few uh, or a day prior, Jesus had come up on this fig tree. He was walking with his disciples, and from afar off, the Bible says, he saw that the fig tree was there. He expected it to have fruit because it had leaves. He expected it. How many of y'all have ever watched or looked at something in your life and expected it to be something else? Come on, church. You expected, you had expectations. And then you got there, and it wasn't what you expected. And so he got there, and as he came up, obviously he was close enough for the for him to see that it, that, that it did not have fruit. And he was also close enough for those disciples to hear him because he cursed the fig tree. Now, when Jesus did that, he cursed the fig tree, and he walked away. Everybody say, walk away. Y'all got to go back and listen to that Keys of the Kingdom message. I unpacked that for about 30 minutes about how important that is. But he walked away, and then... Um, he goes to Bethany, comes back. A couple things happen. And then in the morning on the next day, as they passed by, they saw the same fig tree. Verse 21. Peter, remembering what had happened, he said to Jesus, Rabbi, look. The fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them. He answered. He responded. He said to them, have faith. In God. Now the footnotes in your Bible or in most translations are going to say this. Have the faith of God. Have the faith of God. And we also talked about that a few weeks ago. That it's important that we have the faith of God. And we talked about what that looked like and how God spoke the very worlds. The world that we live in, He spoke into existence by faith. We looked at Hebrews 11 where it covers that, that, that God's faith is described there. That He literally... Spoke this earth into existence. Everything that we see around us, in an instant, he spoke and it was there. And so he says Jesus tells them have that type of faith. Have the faith of God. Wonder what it would look like if instead of having faith in the thing that we're facing, we had faith in God. Instead of having faith in see, we don't realize that, but a lot of times that's what happens is we have faith in the other thing. You know, fear, if you think about it, fear is having faith in the opposite. In other words, it's having faith in death or having faith in sickness. If I'm afraid of something, it says, I'm so afraid of that thing coming to pass that I actually believe that's going to come to pass and not God's word. Does that make sense? I'm literally having faith in the, if you're in fear, you're having faith in the other thing instead of faith in God. And that's why we can't have fear. It's why fear is the antithesis of faith. He said, Have faith in who? In God. Y'all say it with me. Say, have faith, in God. have faith in God. Our faith has got to be pointed in the right direction. We can't be fearful. We have to be faithful. For assuredly, verse 23, this is where it gets good. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart. I want you just to for today, hopefully you've got a Bible that you can write in or you can highlight. I want you to signify that line does not doubt in his heart. I want you to highlight does not doubt in his heart. So if you say to the mountain, be removed. you do not doubt in your heart, but believe that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, Believe that you receive them and you will have them. You will have them. I want y'all to repeat that. And say, I can have what I ask for. That's what the Bible says. When you pray, whatever things you ask, when you pray, whatever things you ask, when you pray, whatever things you ask, when you pray, you when you pray come on, somebody, whatever, whatever. You know, I love when the Bible doesn't put, when God, when Jesus himself doesn't put stipulations on himself. He says, whatever you ask. Now, obviously, we, put, we read his whole word, and we see in other scriptures that he says to ask according to his will. And so Jesus, being the word of God, we know that he literally was the word. When he's saying these things, he means that, that whatever you ask according to me or according to my, to my will. You can't ask God for something outside of His will. You know, you can't believe God um, for, you know, something that would be satanic. Or you can't believe God, let's, let's say you can't believe God for someone else's spouse. Because that would be against His word. You know, there's things like that that we can't, we can't ask and believe God for because they go against His will. They go against His word. But if His word says, by Jesus' stripes you were healed, Amen. then I can, I can believe for healing. I can expect healing. I can desire healing. Whatever you desire, whatever you ask, you can consider it done when you believe. Say it with me. Say believe believe that you receive. receive. Come on, let's put it together. Say, I believe believe that that I receive. I want to talk to you today about getting the order of things right when we're exercising our faith. Getting the order right. You know, I, I, I was talking about being decent and in order and having a system to things. I like for things to go in order. I like to know, uh, we're going to do this first, we're going to do that. We're gonna do, when, uh, when I, I told you I've been coaching flag football. I've been coaching the 10 and 11-year-olds at the YMCA. Everybody say, I'm praying for you, Pastor. <laughs> Listen, what happened is in the fall, I coached the 6- to 7-year-olds. And they're easy. Because most of them didn't play. And so you just kind of give them the basics Tell them which way to run. I mean, we spent most of the the, the the season just making sure we're running the right way. You know what I'm saying? This is a football. You know, Vince Lombardi is famous for that. I believe it's him. He would always start every season. I mean, he would win the championship the season before. Start the next season, and he would walk out to his team. He would grab a football and say, this is a football. Because sometimes you got to get back to the basics. And if you don't understand what a football is, if you don't understand the the, the, the rest of the game, is not going to make sense if you don't know what a football is. And so then I get out there this season with the ten and eleven year olds, and I realize very quickly all of them have played before, all of them know systems, and, and they they understand some sort of football. I did not have my ducks in a row. I got out coached the first two games. I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't. I wasn't prepared to give them the right series of things. So in other words, I just kind of had some basic plays and the other team was much more advanced and they had a really good coach. You know, I was joking with the other coach this past week. He said, uh, I asked him, he said, where do you coach? He coaches over at spring Valley. He's a coach over there. And so he said, yeah, I coach over at spring Valley. I'm the, I think he said linebackers coach or something like that. I said, man, that's awesome. That's great. He said, where do you coach? I said, I'm a pastor. <laughs> there's a bunch of guys time around there like, what? "What? you know, they were like, oh well, man, we didn't know. Cause I finally beat them on Thursday. I finally beat him on Thursday. Well, how did I beat him? I finally got my guys going in the right order. I finally got them ordered up. I finally got them doing, listen, man, this is your position, and this is where you run, and this is your position, and this is what you do, and this is your position, and this is where you go, and when we got them all working together in in accordance to the plan, we finally started executing plays because what would happen before is this guy would get crossed up, and, and I know we're not football experts in here, but long story short, we were messing each other up. We were kind of... Tripping over ourselves. How many of y'all have ever tripped over yourself? You kind of got in your own way. And I think sometimes we do that as Christians. We get in our own way. We do things. We don't mean to, but we do things that kind of trip ourselves up. We, we, we hinder our faith from working. And so there's some, so much packed. You can't really teach on faith and not go to Mark 11. There's so much pact in these verses. I don't want to leave out verse 25, which says we've got to forgive before we pray. Forgive others. We talked about that a few weeks ago. But if we go back to verse 23, that part that I asked you to highlight, it says, do not doubt in your heart. Do not doubt in your heart. That word there is cardia. Everybody say cardia. Cardia. Of of course it comes from and based off of um, the word that we get cardiac from. Cardiac. It's it's, it's spelled with a K. K K-A-R-D-I-A. Cardia. And in the Strong's Concordance, which is um, um, a book that helps us see the original Greek and Hebrew words and understand them. In this, it explains what this word means. So the word "heart" is not talking about your blood pumping heart that's in your chest. I mean, you can't believe with your your physical heart. That's impossible, right? You, you can't believe with your physical boom, boom 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 boom. You can't believe with that heart because it's 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 just an organ. I was saying on Wednesday that you know uh, we're made of dirt. God made us out of dirt. Our heart is dirt, literally. And so, anyways, what are we believing then? What is that heart? When when Jesus said this, do not doubt in your heart, what is he saying? How how can I not doubt in my heart? Or another way we can word that is, how do I believe with my heart? Because faith, and I'm going to show you a bunch of scripture for this in a second, faith is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of your spirit. Well, how does, that, how does that work? Let's look at what this heart is. It's, of course, a noun. And it literally means, according to, Greek, uh, to, to the strongest concordance, the effective center of our being. How many of you have ever heard it, anybody say, in the heart of the woods? And they're talking about the very center of the woods. Or they'll say, at the heart of the story. And they're talking about the very center of the story. Or they'll say, you know, at the heart of something. And they're, they're literally talking about the center of it. The core of it, the, the, the essence of it. And that's what he's saying here is that the essence of who you are, at the core center of who you are, that's your heart. I'm going to explain that a little bit further in a second. It's the capacity of more preference, this says. It makes us tick, it's, um, it establishes who we really are. Now, catch this heart, this word cardia, is mentioned over 800 times in Scripture. But never referring to the literal, physical pump that drives the blood in our chest. That is, heart is only used figuratively in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's talking about the real you. I want you to point at yourself and say, the real me is my spirit. We say it this way around here. Say, I'm a spirit. I have a soul. And I live in a body. Let me give you some scripture for that. If you look at 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, say spirit. Spirit. Can we put that on the screen? 1 Thessalonians 5.23. May your whole spirit, say it again, say spirit, Spirit. say soul, soul, and say body. He says here, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. John 3, 6 says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now catch this. There's a capital S and a lowercase s. Why is that important? If you'll put that other background up, Chase, it'll be a little easier to see. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit, capital S, is spirit. Your spirit was born of the Holy Spirit. How do we know that? How do we know that? Because the Bible says that, behold, all things have passed away. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. What becomes new when you get saved? Your spirit. The inside of you, the real you. I mean, I was white before I got saved, and I was white after. I was good-looking before and still good-looking after. Come on. We can laugh in church. Right. If you, if you had... Let's just go there. Let's, just, let's, get, let's dig a little bit deeper. Let's say when you got saved that you had an addiction of some sort. You had some things that you were struggling with. Barring a miracle, which I have heard of, when you got saved, your spirit was made new, but your flesh still wanted that cigarette afterwards. Your flesh was still addicted to that computer screen. Your flesh was still struggling to get the bottle... See, see, we live in a body that, that has feelings, that has tendencies, that has, th- 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 that, you know, your brain, your brain is, your, is part of your soul, it's your mind, will, and emotions. Your brain is not your spirit. Your brain is not your spirit. Does it all work together? Yes, but is it different? Why else would he say in 1 Thessalonians, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless"? Why, why did Paul tell us to renew our mind daily? We wouldn't have to renew something that God already made new. I don't know if you got that. Did you catch that? Because God made our spirit new. Our spirit was made new. Our spirit is the real us. When I got saved, JT, the real me, the inside of me got made new. I got a jump st- I got, I got, I got. I got a new inside my spirit, which is connected to his spirit, And that part of me started saying, no, we're not going to do that anymore. Now, I've got to listen. My flesh has to listen to my spirit. My flesh has to listen to that and say, no, we're not going to the bottle. No, we're not going to to, to smoke or whatever, whatever the, the issues may be, whatever our body wants. Right. And that's what we have to renew our mind daily. How do we renew our mind with the word now? I'm giving you all this because I'm going to come back to faith. So y'all remember Mark 11. Remember not doubting in your heart. But I want to dig a little bit deeper into what does it mean to be a spirit? What does it mean to be a spirit? See, John 4, 24. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. When we deal, we deal with God on a spiritual basis. We deal with God on a spiritual basis. We live in a world But we deal with God on a spiritual basis, spirit to spirit. That's where God speaks to me. That's where God deals with me. That's where God leads me. We look, we obviously, we have his word, his written word. But whenever God speaks to me in my spirit, it's going to line up with his word. It's going to always line up with his word. It's going to always be based on and line up with his word. Look at Romans chapter two, verses 28, 29. This is so good. This is so good. So pivotal. Catch this. He is not a Jew, one who is outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. Now, this is, of course, clarifying some things in, the, in, in talking to the Romans church. But in my footnotes, it says that this is a play on words that Jew is literally literally means praise. What he's saying here is that we're, we're he's, he's talking of, not literally about a person who's a Jew. He's giving an analogy or an example now check the next verse verse 29 he who is a jew who is one inwardly and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit y'all catch that he's saying that when you are dealing with someone who's you've got people who are outwardly focused first verse 28 and who worry about outward things of the flesh but verse 29 There's also those that are inwardly. Praise is an inward thing that we do inwardly, and circumcision that is of the heart. In other words, it's a sacrifice. That's what he's saying. It's literally a sacrifice that we make of the heart. And then he clarifies this. I love it. In the spirit. Y'all see that? It's a sacrifice. The circumcision is talking about sacrifice is that of the heart in the spirit. Heart and spirit work in tandem here. He literally clarifies when I'm talking about your heart, I'm talking about your spirit. Lowercase s, or this is capital S, in the spirit, which of course we know that God's spirit is connected to our spirit. How do we know that? Romans 10, 17. Or, excuse me, Romans um, hold on, hold on. I don't know if I have it written down. But in Romans is where, also in the same book, is where he says that our spirit is connected to his spirit. That we know, how do you know you're saved? How do you know you're saved? That we know we're the sons of God, because his spirit bears witness with our spirit. All right? So we know that his spirit bears witness with our spirit. When he's talking about this, he's talking about our spirit. A little bit more on this, and then I'm going to get to the point. Second Corinthians 4.16. Do not lose heart. Even though our outward man, everybody say my outward man. Come on, pitch your flesh and say my flesh. My body. Even though my flesh and my body perishes every single day, yet the inward man is, re, is being renewed. Day by day. The inward man. You have an inward man. You are a real you have a person, a part of you that is separate from your flesh, separate from your soul. One more verse. First Corinthians 9 27. But I everybody say I. Now this is interesting because this is Paul talking. He says, I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. I used to teach the young adults in Florence when I was on staff there at Family Worship Center in Florence. And uh, I love this verse because if you can get this, obviously in any age, but especially as a young adult, if you can understand that, that the real you, who's doing the disciplining? I am. But what are you disciplining? You're disciplining your body. You're bringing it into subjection. You're saying, listen, body, flesh, my, mind, you're going to listen to me. Who is the real me? Your spirit. Your spirit. How, how else... How else could you control your body unless there was a part of you that's connected to God that has his word inside that says, I'm going to lead my body and tell it what to do. I'm going to tell it not to drink that. I'm going to tell it not to do that. I'm going to tell it not to lie. And when I, when, you know, because you know, if you're saved, you know you shouldn't lie. As soon as you tell a lie, you go, mm, mm, and then you feel real bad, right? You're like, man, maybe I should go tell him. And then you got to confess it. you got to be like, I'm Uh, what I meant was and then you try to justify it come on am I the only one? you're like you're like like, okay uh, what I meant was uh, and you try to make it like it wasn't a lie why do you do that? why do you know that? because your spirit says we don't lie we don't lie that's not what we do we don't do that anymore you might have lied before but not anymore we don't do that we don't look at that stuff We don't think that way. The rest of this verse, I love this. When I have preached to others that I myself should become disqualified. What is he saying? That I've got to, if before I go out and and try to tell others about Jesus, I've got to make sure that I'm doing my part. He also says, Paul also says that you can literally take your thoughts captive. You can take your thoughts captive. You can say, uh, I'm not going to think that way. Just like you take a person and put them in jail, you can take your thoughts captive and say, no, we're not going to think those thoughts. Now catch a couple things that we've said through these verses. Real important. Your brain is still gonna think. Your flesh is still gonna want. But your spirit has to do the controlling. That's up to you. Your spirit has to do the controlling. Your spirit has to say, I'm going to put my flesh under subjection. I'm going to my the real me. Now, how do you do that? You've got to have the Word in you. You've got to do what you're doing today and come and hear the Word taught. You've got to have personal study time. You've got to read books that expand on the Word. You've got to have prayer time where God reveals to you and say, hey, that verse you read earlier, here's what I really want you to do. All these things work together and they build the real you, your inward man, your spirit man, so that you can sub- subdue your flesh, so that you can control your body, so that you can, and so that you cannot doubt in your heart, let me get to where I'm trying to get here today. Believe God's word on the inside, regardless of what's happening on the outside. See, that's what Mark 11:23 is saying. If you want to put that back up, you can put that up and and um, and leave it up there for a second. Mark 11. Uh oh. Just a little interlude there. Just a little little musical praise break for a second. <laughs> Mark 11. If you put that up, Mark 11:23. But when he says, do not doubt in your heart, literally what he's saying is this, that I'm going to believe God's word on the inside, regardless of what's happening on the outside, regardless of what's happening around me, regardless of what's happening. This is what we were talking about last week. I will not be moved, but I wanted to come back this week and explain more clearly how you cannot be moved. How you can go day to day and not doubt in your heart. How you can go week to week and believe and have faith in your spirit. Because that's a matter of the of inside. Your brain is going to have moments of doubt, but you're going to say, no, we're not thinking that. Y'all catch this. Because when you really start, I, I, I've been at this a long time. And when you really start believing God for healing, you got something fighting your body. And you say, God, I'm going to stand on God's word. The devil comes and say, Really? Is that really true? Is that really, you really think God's going to, I mean, you see how bad you feel right now. You're running this kind of fever. You just threw up. Are you sure you're healed? Are you sure? Because that's what the, the devil will play with you. But I'm not believing in my mind. Where do I believe? In my heart. Well, how can I do that? Because my spirit is what's connected to God's spirit. My spirit is what gets fed with his word. My spirit is what's, right now, what's happening is as I'm giving you all this scripture, what I'm hoping and what I'm praying is that a light bulb is going off. Well, what's that light bulb? That's revelation of God's word. That's, not, that's nothing that I'm doing. That's the Holy Spirit going, see? See? And he's illuminating. And that's happening in your spirit. Your mind can be out to lunch and your spirit will go, hey. Hey. Because your spirit is what God speaks to. Listen to this. Believe. I want y'all to write this down. Believe God's word on the inside, regardless of what's happening on the outside. Believe God's word on the inside, regardless of what's happening on the outside. At the bottom of those slides, Chase, is uh, Mark eleven twenty four 24 in the Amplified. And I wanted to put up this sp- particular translation because it clarifies a little bit clearer this next verse for this reason I'm telling you whatever you ask for in prayer believe trust and be confident that it is granted to you and you will get it you will get it whatever you ask for in prayer believe I want to encourage you as I said to get the order right what is the order it's real simple it's real simple number one you ask number two you believe. And number three, you receive. See, we can't get caught up on receiving before we believe. And I know that's simple, and I know we talk about that all the time, but faith, Hebrews 11, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That means in order for you to do a Mark eleven twenty three and speak to a mountain, and tell it to go and get out of your life, In order for you to do that, at the time that you pray, at the time that you speak to that mountain, you've got to see the mountain gone. You've got to see it out of your life. You've got to see the sickness gone. You've got to see the disease gone. You've got to see your body healed. You've got to see your bank account full. You've got to see your needs being met. You've got to to see what you're believing for at that moment. How do you do that? You see it with the eyes of faith. My natural eyes are going to see the problem every time My natural eyes are going to see the problem They're going to see the thing They're going to see it And they're going to go Man, I don't know how But by faith On the inside That word's going to come up on the inside This message is going to come up on the inside And say, no, no, no Listen, baby Listen, God's got you God's already provided See, the thing about healing Most people don't realize Is God's already healed you He says, by Jesus' stripes You were healed you were healed back on the cross when Jesus died on the cross. You were healed at that moment. Well, then why don't I feel that today? Because you've got to see it by faith. You've got to walk in, and you've got to receive it. That's what he said. He said, "Believe." Kenneth Hagin told a great story about. Um, he actually was bedfast. He was uh, a, a, he was a teenager. I don't remember his exact age, and he was laying on the bed for a year, bedfast, paralyzed. He was al- almost entirely paralyzed, and he read the word and he read these verses mark 11 and he could not get at the time he's passed away now so you can imagine all these years ago how he was young um and how how, i don't know how many years ago it was but as a teenager he read these verses and he kind of had the epiphany but he didn't understand it and so he tried to get other pastors to come and help him understand it and he couldn't get anybody to come and finally he got a pastor to come And the pastor came and he's trying to talk to him, obviously being paralyzed. He couldn't get all the words out fast enough. And the pastor cut him off and said, well, son, it'll be over in a little bit. It'll be over soon. And he got so discouraged by that that he stayed 11 months in the bed. So that was a month in. 11 months later, he finally got the epiphany. He kept reading and kept reading. And finally, in his spirit, the light bulb went off. Now, if you think about this. For 11 months, if, if, if all he had to do was just think the word, then, then he would have got healed 11 months ago because he read it 11 months ago. But what, what did it take? It took him getting it in his spirit and him realizing, wait a second, I need to believe it at this moment. I need to believe when I pray that I'm healed. I need to see myself healed. I need to know that I'm healed. And at that moment, Time is when he began to change his confession. He began to change the way he was praying. He began to change the way he was believing. And within a short period of time, was up, standing, and walking. Went from paralyzed to walking. Then went to school. The principal at the school told him, "I don't think you should be here. Your doctor said you could fall over dead at any minute." And he said, "No, sir. I'm walking by faith. A teenager. I'm walking by faith." No wonder the man went on to to to, to change to change the Christian world the way he did. But my point is this, that we've got to believe when we ask. We've got to believe when we ask. We've got to believe at that moment. How can that happen? How can you not doubt in your heart? How can you believe on the, on the inside? You've got to have the word in you. You've got to have the word in you because on the outside, you're going to see things. On the outside, you're going to, you're going to witness and, and, and be exposed to situations. That's why I talked about what I did last week. But faith says I'm gonna believe what's on the inside regardless of what's on the outside. I'm gonna believe what's on the inside regardless of what's on the outside. I'm gonna believe God's word regardless of what I see. I'm gonna take and, and, and receive God's promises for my life regardless of what it looks like. I don't walk by what I see, I walk by faith. Proverbs 3:5, as I close. Proverbs 3-5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Amen. On. Trust in the Lord with all your what? Again, you can't trust the Lord with your blood pumping heart. You have to trust the Lord with the word that's inside of you. With his spirit that's connected to your spirit that says, look, God's got this. God's on your side. God's listen. God's going to take care of you. God's, gonna, God's word is always true. God is for you and not against you. God is a safe place that you can run into. God, when you get that in your spirit, well, how do you get it? You keep doing what you're doing. Come and hear the word. How does faith come? We talked about that last week. That's Romans 10.17. I said earlier, Romans 10.17, I was thinking about, that's what it says in Romans 10.17. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes by the word of God. How does faith come? How does faith come? How does faith come? By By hearing. You need to hear the word. I encourage you read the word out loud. Get scripture and confess it over your life. If you're these things that I'm I'm encouraging you to do, talking to your problem and talking to the, the the mountain. What do you talk? What do you tell the mountain? What do you tell your sickness and disease? You tell it the word. You confess the word. I'm I'm closing with Andre. You tell the Lord, you say, listen, by Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. I know that I feel that pain every time I walk, but by Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. I know that my eyes and my mind are telling me something else, but the word of God says this, and that's what I believe. So whenever I confess, whenever I speak, whenever I pray, I'm believing at that moment that I'm walking in what I know in his word. That's how we receive by faith. That's how we believe in our heart. That's how we don't doubt in our heart. It's not that we don't have it. Those thoughts are going to come. Those thoughts are going to come up and doubt is going to, I mean, the devil's going to bring questions. God doesn't want, you can't get that. You can't let that get into your heart. You've got to take that captive and say, nope, nope. I'm not doubting God's word. I'm not questioning God's word. How does, how does word get into your spirit? By hearing. So how does doubt get into your heart? By hearing. I I encourage you, you know, not that I would ever encourage anybody to defriend somebody, but if all you got is negative people around you, and all they're saying is negative stuff, and all they're doing is contradicting God's word, and all they're doing is filling your, your spirit with doubt and unbelief, I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm not telling you what to do, but I'm just saying that I don't think it's worth it. If I'm believing God to get through these things and get past these things and, and I hear one sermon a week and then the rest of the week, all I hear is negativity. You know, the Bible, Jesus gave such a great analogy. He talked about the parable of the sower. When the sower would sow the seed, which is the word, the devil would steal it. One of the ways that he would steal it is the weeds would come up and choke it out. What are the weeds? This is one of them. Doubt, unbelief, things in our life. They come up and they choke out the word. Man, this was a chock full sermon today. I hope y'all got what I'm saying. You might have to get the podcast and le- listen back to this one a few times. Because if you know that, yes, you're a spirit. Yes, that's who you are. And if you, don't, if you don't want to doubt in your spirit, feed your spirit. Feed your heart. Feed your heart the word of God. Because that's where faith. Faith, faith begins where the will of God is known. I know God's will from his word. I know God's will from his word. What is his will? That my needs be met, that 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 that, uh, that I be healed. He said, um, and Jeremiah said, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Why did he pray that prayer? Why does God want these things for us? Why does God desire Because if I'm going to help build God's kingdom, that's what I'm called to do. That's what you and I are called to do, is to go into all the world and preach the gospel, to go into all the world and make disciples, to love each other Like we love ourselves. Love one another like I love myself. That's what I'm called to do. Well, how can I do that if I'm destitute, broke, living paycheck to paycheck, sick, in the hospital? No, God wants me being a living example of who he is and what his word says about me. So then I've got a testimony to tell. I've got a testimony. You know, thankfully, to my knowledge, no one in this church here in Columbia has gotten coronavirus. Our church in Florence has a very large congregation, well over a thousand members, and so there have been a few. And but what's been miraculous is I think two of them now are actually help me if I'm wrong, but they were actually being studied because of how quickly they recovered. They got they got they contracted it, but they recovered so quickly that they're studied that that, that um, I think MUSC was one of the hospitals or some I don't remember, but they wanted to study them. To figure out one of them was an elderly woman. How did you get over this so fast? You're, you're one of the ones that's supposed to die from this. Because she had faith on the inside. And I know her. I mean, she has she, she's a woman of faith. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm sure she, she got that result from the doctor and said, No, sir, I know her. Faith, you gotta have it before you face the obstacle, before you face the mountain. He, he told them, have faith in God. Then he told them what to do. you got to have the faith in trusting God's word so when the mountain shows up, I've got the words to say. I've got the words to say. I want you to stand up on your feet. There's two types of people that might be in this room or might be watching online. Someone who has heard the words I said today and has never known Jesus as your Lord and Savior doesn't know how to have a relationship with him, but you want one. And then there's another type of person that You've had a relationship with Jesus before, but you've walked away. You've gone astray, and you need to get back. You need to recommit your life to Jesus. If you're either one of those two people, I want to pray with you, and I want to pray for you. Well, actually, what I want to ask you to do is you to pray with me. And we're going to say the prayer of salvation. Now, here's how this will work. Just like faith that I preached on today, you have to believe in your heart. So this prayer, if you just recite it, it's not going to do anything, but you have to believe it. You have to believe it. And then after that, we're going to put it into action. And I want to be a part of that with you. So if you say that prayer today and you're in this room or you're online, please write us and let us know. Please let us know, hey, that's me. I prayed that prayer today. I got saved. That's what we. That's the term that we use, saved. That means you're saved from death and hell. You're saved. You're going to live eternally with Christ Jesus in heaven. You're saved. So we're going to pray that prayer now. I want you to do this. Everyone in this room. Whether you're one of those two types of people or not, I want to ask everyone to repeat after me. If you'll bow your heads and close your eyes. Say this with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your Son, Jesus. Today, I declare Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I confess that Jesus Christ came to this earth, died on the cross, was buried in a grave and rose on the third day. Today, he's in heaven with you. And today, I make Jesus my number one, my Lord, and my Savior. I thank you for forgiving me of my sins, cleansing me of all my unrighteousness. I turn my life to you. I repent from my old life, and I make you my way, my number one, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You Give, give them a round of applause, everybody who made that decision.